eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Douglas Peterson writes, I think I need you to talk me off the ledge right now. After this Otani signing, I'm struggling to find any reason why Yamamoto would come to the Mets other than money. First off, there are the Yankees. They just traded for a top five player in baseball to go along with the other top five player in baseball, and they are clearly trying to win now or at least very soon. Plus the history, which may or may not hold any weight with Yamamoto, so I'm only kind of considering that. Second, the Dodgers, who I believe have a way more compelling case. If this report of deferred payments in order to build a winning team around Otani is true, and they would, would they still, and that they're still in the mix for Yamamoto, why would he go anywhere else? You get to pitch with the greatest one through three in the lineup ever protecting you, at least for the next four years, and one of them happens to be not only your friend, but also literally the greatest baseball player ever and the pride of your country. Even if the Mets offer Yamamoto significantly more money, I can't see a reason why he'd want to come to this toxic bleep hole that we call home. (laughs) I understand I'm probably a bit irrational and more doom and gloom than is good for me, but this offseason, at least for my Mets, really hinges on whether or not they land Yamamoto. I think I'd be happy if they landed Jordan Montgomery and Shota Imanagaga, Imanaga, for example, but I can't shake this anxious feeling. Also, the chances of the Mets actually landing two of the upper-tier arms are probably pretty slim. Another player I'd like to mention on the subject of this email suggests is J.D. Martinez. I feel like it's a no-brainer to do whatever you have to do to get Martinez on this team. Not only is he a great hitter, but he could also probably significantly help the younger players. Of course, one factor to consider is that he only played 113 games in 2023. By the way, he still at 30-plus home runs. Regardless, he could be good on a one- to two-year deal to get actual production out of the DH position. Anyways, thanks for getting me through the offseason. The Rico is my favorite listen of the week. Very much appreciate that. Evan, oh, God. <laughs> His PS is correcting my pronunciation. It was such a great email. But Douglas, I appreciate that. I want to pronounce everyone's name right. Evan, please, for the love of God, can you try to pronounce these Japanese players' names correctly? Just pronounce each syllable as it's spelled. Yoshinobu Yamamoto. Well, well, hold on a second. Haven't I gotten that right all year? Yoshinobu Yamamoto. Shota Imanaga. Yeah, that one I've screwed up, I admit. 
It's not that hard. I'm probably being a dick. Sorry. <laughs> no, you're not being a dick or anything. I, um, Imana, Imanaga. Oh, they, I'll tell you, if they sign him, this is going to be a pain. This is going to kill me all year. It's like Kayvon Thibodeau versus Thibodeau because Tom Thibodeau screws me up. But I, I, I have to disagree. Haven't I gotten Yoshinabu Yamamoto right the entire time? That's what I thought. All right, let me answer your question, Douglas. You're right, and I'm concerned. You are right, and I'm concerned. The Los Angeles Dodgers and the New York Yankees, not just based on the expectations for this season, not just based on what's on their roster right now, but based on their history. And that could matter. I don't know if it matters, but it could matter. You would think that the Dodgers and the Yankees, based on the roster today and based on their history, would have an advantage over anybody they're pursuing. But I still believe a lot of guys, if not all, and it's not all, but a lot of guys want the biggest offer. And that's what the Mets are fighting for. Now, the Mets can also sell them on a core and sell him on, I don't know if it matters, but Kodai Senga being in the rotation with him and sell him on, we're not done spending. In fact, that great player the Yankees just acquired, we're going to go after him next year or whatever plans they have. So I don't think the Mets have like a bad story to sell, but is it as good as the Yankees and the Dodgers? No, I'm not going to lie to you just because it's Rico Brown. I'm not going to tell you the Mets have something more appealing. But then again, it depends on what you find to be appealing. You know, guys have egos. And I don't know if Yamamoto has an ego, but maybe deep down he wants to be the ace of a team. And maybe deep down he's like, I'm not the ace of the Yankees. Maybe deep down he says, I have Kershaw's back or Otani next year. I ain't the ace of that team. And maybe he thinks, I like Cody. He's a good player, but Cody ain't the ace. I'm the ace. Who knows? I'm not trying to make that up to make anybody feel better. I'm reminding you that the one scary thing about free agency, like when we watch baseball, we watch sports, we know what we see, we have an opinion on it. Free agency, like who the hell knows what a guy wants? That's why for me to sit here cocky about it, I can't be cocky about it. I want to be cocky that the Mets will make the biggest offer. They better make the biggest offer because I think they'll be held to pay from this fan base if they don't make the biggest offer. And the point I made earlier about Cohen, the caricature we created dying with not even making an offer for Otani, I think that'll even go up higher if they don't make the biggest offer for Yamamoto. But you never know what a person wants. You never know what a player is looking for. And that's always dangerous. It's always dangerous. Now, I have been thinking, and we talked about this on the last pod, what do you do if he doesn't come here? Where do you go if he doesn't come here? And we've gotten a lot of emails about that. Matt on Long Island writes, Evan, plain and simple, if we don't get Yoshi, no signings just to make signings. Prepare prepare for 2025 when the free agent class is much better. If you have to, majorly overpay for Jordan Montgomery and bring him in. Snell, no way in hell. Thanks, Matt. So I I partially agree with you in this sense. I don't want to put a mega contract on someone that's blah. I don't want to just buy somebody for the sake of buying somebody. But I want this team to be competitive in 2024. And so what that means is you have to add major league starting pitching. If that means overpaying on short-term deals just to get real arms in here and not sit here relying on Jose Budo and Tyler McGill, you do it. 
I agree with you that I think Montgomery's got the biggest upside of all the guys that are there. But I, I think when you say just start worrying about 225 or 2025, that's, that's a tough one. <laughs> I don't want to think about that. I don't want to think about that. Sean writes, I wanted to talk about Yamamoto and the Mets' pursuit. The Mets fans are obviously out of their mind crazy saying this team needs Yamamoto. I agree they need him because they need a good long-term pitcher, but I don't believe the Mets have this pressure to not be able to miss out on him, as some some fans and sports radio folks say. The pressure is 100% on the Yankees. They just went all in for 2024 with a rental in Soto. How could they justify not adding Yamamoto? They'd be sacrificing a chance at a championship, and it's already a season now of championship or bust. What are the Mets' expectations? We're not one pitcher away from a championship, and 2025 offers a great class of pitching free agents. Clearly, Yamamoto would be a great addition, and I believe Cohen will try his best, but we're actually lucky he doesn't run this team like Hall for the fans. Trade everything, always, right away, and make ridiculous trades and signings. Sorry, Hoff. I disagree with you about the Yankees needing him more. Even though I made the point on the radio last week, I stand by that the Yankees are going all in for 2024, which they are. I don't think they need to get the guy who's got the biggest long-term upside, right? Isn't that the appealing part of Yamamoto? Long-term upside because of his age, 25 years old. The Yankees right now, and to an extent the Dodgers, are trying to hit in this moment. So if I told you, and it's certainly on the table, that Yamamoto in his rookie season is going to be average and then get better as time goes on, that shouldn't surprise anybody. And just because other Japanese pitchers haven't done that and sometimes it goes the other way doesn't mean that's a guarantee of how it's going to work out. He is still 25 years old making an adjustment to the United States and making an adjustment to potentially a five-man rotation and making an adjustment to a different baseball and making an adjustment to different lineups. It is possible, if not likely, if I was going to guess, that the best of Yamamoto is not 2024, but maybe it's 2026 when he's 27 years old with that experience. The beauty of Yamamoto is that it is long-term. That's why I want him. That's why a lot of Met fans want him. Sure, you want him to be good this year. Sure, you want to have a chance to win this year, but it's more about long-term. Hey, I got a guy for the next decade, potentially, who could be a top-of-the-rotation guy. The Yankees need pitching. They have an ace. They have an ace. So filling out the rotation with solid middle-of-the-arm guys who can help you today is probably more important. Now, that's not to say they shouldn't go after the guy, but you framed it as they need him more. I don't think they need him more because if the Yankees pivot and their pivot is to Jordan Montgomery and their pivot is to middle-of-the-rotation arms, that's not bad considering they've got Garrett Cole at the top of the rotation. And they're certainly hoping that Carlos Rodon returns to his form from two years ago. Right now, our rotation features one guy in Quintana who is on a contract here, another guy in Severino who's on a contract here, and then Kodai Singo, who was really good last year, but he's the only guy I saw long term. He's the only guy who you would confidently say, barring injury, knock on wood, he's in the rotation in three years. That's not the case with the Yankees. They got a bunch of guys like that. 
Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. So, I don't know if this is trying to make yourself feel better. I don't know if this is, I just want to feel okay if we lose out on him. Dude, it's going to suck if they lose out on him. And to sell it to yourself as if the Yankees need him more, I I just don't agree with it. Theo wrote the same thing. Theo writes, I have a problem with Yamamoto. The Yankees now need pitching. They gave up the glue of the rotation. The Mets want to be competitive, but I don't know if they're ready to spend 35 to $40 million a year. What do you think, Evan? And do you think he would be the only major signing this offseason? See, 35 to $40 million this season. This is year one of a long-term deal. This is why I didn't want to go in on Juan Soto. I agree with Theo that the Mets right now, are we are viewing them in all likelihood no matter what they do, by the way, the rest of the offseason, as a fringe playoff team. I don't think any of us are going into this season thinking they're winning this division, or maybe even thinking they're the second-best team in this division. We are probably thinking, whether they sign Yamamoto or not, hey, things break right, fringe playoff team. But you don't not sign somebody who's 25, who you hope to have for a decade because of just this season. See what I'm saying? It's kind of like, the, I get what Theo's saying, but he's sort of making the same point that Sean made in terms of, well, we don't really need him. Of course the Mets need him. Because even the free agents next year, like Corbin Burns and Shane Bieber, they're in their 30s. You're getting a guy who's 25 years old. Don King writes, I wanted to discuss why I believe Juan Soto will not perform up to his baseball standards. Number one, changing leagues. People forget how difficult it was for these players to perform once they switch leagues. Guys like Matt Olson, Manny Machado, Corey Seager took around a year to finally get used to their respective leagues pitching. Pitchers get an advantage when these guys haven't played against them before. Uh, Fine examples, but I do think that's lesser today than ever because of the fact that there's interleague play every day and you're facing these American League teams three times a year or National League teams three times a year. So it exists, but not nearly as much as it used to. His second point, the typical Yankee fan. Imagine you're a player that just won the MVP and then got traded to a new team the year after. Your first game you play, you strike out four times and every fan in the building is booing you. That player was Giancarlo Stanton. You could expect the same treatment for Juan Soto if he fails to come out of the gate hot while adjusting to the new league. It won't be surprising if he struggles. The booing is only going to make it worse. I talked about this on the air last week. Because Juan Soto got off to a really bad start with San Diego. And we had talked about that on the Rico. And I remember even bringing it up about a year ago. Boy, could you imagine how we would have reacted if we had traded our entire farm system for this generational town who at the time was 23 and he hit 220 with a 780 OPS. We would have crushed him. So you're not even making anything up. I'm not making anything up when I say, hey, what if Juan Soto struggled in his first month like he did with San Diego, first two months like he did in San Diego, of course he'll get booed. Every guy who's ever come here has gotten booed. Met players have gotten booed. Yankee players have gotten booed. I think where you have to pivot on this, though, is do you necessarily think Juan Soto's not going to be able to handle it? 
Certain guys can't. Giancarlo, say what you want about him. He's handled it brilliantly. So I think he'll get booed. I don't know if that's going to turn him away. Number three, contract year. History has shown Soto has trouble performing under pressure in terms of his image and ego. For example, the Nationals offered him a $400 million extension he turned down, and then he was traded to San Diego. Soto performed horrible as a Padre in the first half. I believe he was filled with regret for not accepting the extension, and then it got in his head without, with it affecting his hitting. The same mentality could affect him this year in the Bronx. I don't know if that's why he struggled, but <laughs> it's your email. My final point is his double-edged sword, the walk. There'll be big moments where Yankee fans will expect him to come through, and instead he'll probably just look for a walk. Him and Judge are supposed to drive in runs. I predict Yankee fans will get irritated by Soto's passiveness and further boo him. I agree. I've brought that up before, but I think we're the same way too. I think you just need to tell yourself who the player is, what the player is, and try to prepare for it. Juan Soto, passive may not be the right word. He is Bonds-like, because Bonds did the same thing, by the way. He is Bonds-like in that if it ain't a strike, he ain't extending. And I'll never forget one of my first lessons to sports talk radio when I was a kid was Daw, Chris Russo, killing Wade Boggs for that when he was a Yankee. Say, hey, listen, Wade. I mean, three of us, stop looking for a walk. And so I can see how that would drive people nuts. Finally, Don, uh, or Dunn, predicts, Soto will at 240, 25 home runs, 85 RBIs with a 400 on base. Great production, but not worth $500 million. Essentially, those numbers mimic his first half year in San Diego. On the bright side, his stats plummeting make it easier to bargain down his contract price for next year's offseason. So I disagree with that last part. I think, barring injury, and even injury, by the way, he is so young and so talented that I don't think his season's really going to change how much money he makes. And I know that's not normal for free agents, but I think when you've got a guy who's 25, 26, has put up really good production throughout his career, even if he's trended down compared to the first few years of his career, I think teams are going to fall all over themselves. Plus, there's no one else out there that can even come close to that kind of talent and that kind of production. If you think him having a bad year statistically is going to bring down his prices, I would disagree with you. But appreciate the emails. Appreciate all the emails. The RicoBHemail.com. Obviously, we'll cover the Yamamoto stuff once it goes down next week. A couple of other interesting pods coming up over the next few weeks and months. I have decided, and I don't like it, but you guys wanted it, that the rewatch game, and I want to announce this now so that you can do it over the holidays if you have free time, if you're with your family and you want to depress yourself even more. Overwhelmingly, people did want to watch Game 7, 2006 against the Cardinals. So we will make it official. That'll be our rewatch. We won't do the podcast for another month or so, so we'll give everybody time to find the game. It is on YouTube. Sit down and watch it. Game 7, 06 against the Cardinals. But I think we should do another rewatch. And I think that other rewatch should be a random Mets game from the past. Not a playoff game, not a World Series game, not even a memorable game. There are so many random games on YouTube. How funny would it be and how cathartic would it be to sit back and watch a random game from 1989? So I'll leave that up to you. If you want to suggest random games on YouTube, Send us your suggestions at thericob at gmail.com. Also coming up as the offseason rolls on, there are some Met fans that think this is going to be the worst offseason ever. Well, now we have the hindsight of history. We will rank 
the worst off-seasons in the history of the New York Mets. Plus, as requested by a Rico listener a few months ago, I have started compiling a list of the greatest one-year wonders in Met history. In fact, since it was a Rico emailer's idea, the name of the podcast will be Patrick Stern Presents One-Year Mets. And that's coming up as well. So, a lot of things for your Rico Bronya as this offseason rolls on. We do appreciate you listening and writing. The Rico B at gmail.com is our email. Thank you very much for checking in on Rico Bronya. We hope you enjoyed this episode of the Rico Bronya podcast. It's amazing, isn't it? Make sure you download it now to keep it on you at all times. <laughs>